what's up guys chad hermanson here and today i have brett harrison with prep baseball report brett how's it going dude good how are you doing i'm doing good we're we're still we're on the kind of the final stages hopefully of this covid pandemic at the time of uh this recording here we're we're getting toward i guess the the cl closer to june you know things yeah. are starting to open so yeah. I, i've actually been able to see you out a little bit here um but i want to bring you on today because you are you're running the show at Prep Baseball Report with PBR. And so tell us how you got into PBR. What was the story behind that? So uh, I helped Buddy Goldsmith out. He was the original PBR Nevada director. Um, and I helped out at a couple of events. I mean, I, I participated in quite a few showcase events throughout my high school career. So I was very familiar with the process, how to, how to kind of put it all together. Um, and he ended up taking his job back with the Royals. And so I got a call from Sean Duncan, the owner of Prep Baseball Report, kind of just requesting a meeting. And we ended up talking for like 45 minutes to an hour, just about the, the different things that, that PBR offers. And it was, it was pretty incredible stuff. And, and kind of the direction they're trying to go um, with the, the digital and technical type stuff to to help identify and separate players. Um, and they, they ended up flying me out to Chicago. I sat down, had an in-person interview and, and kind of the rest is history. We, we've tried to uh, take care of our, our local guys, our, our Nevada players as much as possible. And we're starting to get the hang of it. Um, but there's still a lot more to come. We are in the process of getting some, some big things in order. Uh, some big meetings coming up to hopefully get our, our players even more exposed and they're in the right way. <laughs> yeah. So what I noticed too, and what I think is really cool, what PBR is doing uh, now, I, I don't know by far everybody at PBR, but I know you, I know buddy guys that have, have baseball backgrounds or, or seem to be really heavily involved, which is great. Tell us about, your background. So you and I, we went to the same high school. Uh, very fortunate. We were both shortstops. So yeah. tell us about your career and how from you, know, you got drafted, all that stuff. Yeah. So I went to Green Valley High School. I graduated in 2011. Um, on my birthday, actually, on June 9th, I got drafted by the Detroit Tigers uh, just after my senior year of high school. And so I ended up signing with them. Um, played four years and ended up having shoulder surgery to end my career. But I mean, it was, it was an unbelievable experience that, that I definitely have taken a lot from. I've grown a lot from and came back, started coaching. I, I coached originally with CBA and, and John Pano and, and the, the local group here. Um, but I ended up uh, taking over the, the PBR job and, and that's a job where I really have to be, uh, connected with with everyone so it would have been tough for me to to coach as well as as do this job to the to gal the the caliber it deserves so um decided to pursue the uh the scouting director role for for pbr and and here we are today and you what you've been maybe <clears throat> would you say full-time to over two years now is it two, going on three or where are you at now i'm at like eight months Oh, you were at eight months. Okay. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Cause you, PBR, but you've been here for uh, a little over two years. 
Um, it, people are still figuring out who we are and what we have to offer. And it's definitely growing. Um, it's grown fairly quickly and, and hopefully we can continue to bring as much positive exposure to, to our players as possible. Yeah, no doubt. So what, when a player, cause you, you have showcase events, right? Yeah. And then you have big, big type events back at headquarters in Georgia. Um, we were able to participate last yeah. summer in that and the underclass deal, which was amazing. I mean, there was hundreds of scouts there. Uh, I would say pretty heavily based East coast scouts, you yeah. know, but great exposure, great experience. Uh, when a player comes to a PBR event here in Vegas, maybe they haven't been to one yet. What can they expect at a, a event or a showcase? So a big thing that, that we've improved on over the past few months is our technical side. Yeah. Kind of the, the old school way of doing it was just really having a camera and a radar. Now we have a TrackMan device that allows us to, to get every piece of data, on, honestly, you could imagine. Um, from both a hitting and pitching standpoint. Uh, I, I've been going to, to different workouts and stuff like that with, with local big leaguers here in town and have, have been able to, to track some at-bats that they've had against each other. And then for the, the pitchers, I've, I've worked with Eric Fetty, who just won the World Series here, went to Vegas, um, Paul Seawald and, and Taylor Cole. Taylor Cole threw a no-hitter last year, a combined no-hitter mm -hmm. in the big leagues for, for the Angels. Um, and those guys are using the TrackMan every Tuesday and Saturday to track their bullpens. I mean, it's, it's an incredible device that helps track the progress you're making. It helps find little things that certain pitches do that, that help you be successful and it might get more movement that you're looking for. And it, it really backs up everything that we uh, report as a player right so it's like we kind of have discussed where the the scouting reports are starting to take a, a back seat to video and data you know it's it's people can really see like the or have the picture painted through the the track man data or even the blast data since we do have a deal with the little uh blast device that goes on the end of your bat and that's your in-swing data, as well as combined with your TrackMan data that will be sent to Driveline. And from there, uh, you'll get a report sent to you on, on different things that, that you do very well, things you're deficient in, and how you can improve them. So really, it's, it's giving every tool possible to the player to help them improve and succeed um, at the high school and then college and professional levels. That's pretty cool. I, I mean, I, it's crazy how fast over just the last few years that technology has gotten better. It's improved um, at the big league level on down. Teams are using it more as part of, you know, part of the draft process of, yeah. of putting together a piece of, of the puzzle. Okay, this is their, their data. This is their statistics on, you know, whether it's spin rate, you know, yeah. exit velocity, all these type of things. Uh, you mentioned the other day when, when I saw you, you mentioned Eric Fetty yeah. and you watched him throw a bullpen. Tell us what, tell me what you, what you, you were basically telling me he was able to manipulate the ball with his hand movement, his grip. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. So he was throwing 
uh, kind of just his different arsenal of pitches. And then he started working on his slider. And for some reason that day he was, he was throwing it and at, at, on the, um, on the app, it'll tell you that his spin was at nine o'clock, which is, you think about just a clock, the spin is rotating top spin from that nine o'clock uh, angle. And so he really wasn't getting that bite on the pitch. And the TrackMan device was really showing that it just had very little uh, horizontal or induced vertical movement. And so he's getting a little bit frustrated. So he's like, All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get on top of it a little bit more. And so he went from, uh, what, 9 o'clock to a little bit of a, of a higher angle, getting on top of it a little bit more, and was able to get that sharp bite back within a pitch of just switching up his, his grip or the, the arm angle just that tiny bit. And, I mean, he, he absolutely loved the machine and, and the, the instant feedback. It, it refreshes every four minutes with the updated data on that pitch. So from pitch to pitch, he was able to make a small adjustment that he realized now if my slider in a game is just not working on a day, it's not working. If I get on top of it a little bit more, it'll have a little bit of, a little bit of that bite back, but now it'll also have a little bit of depth, that up and down movement that could also end up being a swing and miss, or a swing and, uh, miss pitch for me. So it was, yeah. it was cool hearing these guys kind of talk to each other, kind of the, the, the extremely fine detail that they are looking for with a TrackMan device, since each big league team does have one um, and uses it, they're all fairly familiar with the data that it gives off. And so myself still learning about the device and, and listening to these guys from uh, a pitching standpoint, it's, it's incredible getting to hear the, the different things they're trying to achieve. Like Paul Seawald's trying to work on induced vertical movement and he wants it to be above a certain amount of inches. So he's, he's manipulating the ball pressure and, and, and kind of the rotation to try to get more vertical movement on each of his pitches instead of that horizontal movement. And with this device, it gives you that instant feedback of uh, you succeeding in, in trying to do what you're, you're manipulating that ball uh, trying to do. Yeah, that's really cool. Cause I mean, when you look at it before this technology was available, think, you know, and you and I were position players, right? So yeah. it's a completely yeah. different thing, but as a pitcher, I can imagine you're throwing your bullpen, you're, you're working on your slider yeah. and first three go they It's not what you wanted. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I would have to imagine if as a pitcher, you, you go, okay, that did not feel right. I released it too soon. I let go too late. My hand was too far on the side of the ball. So that was really, it was a feel, right? That you had to make that adjustment there. So this machine is reinforcing what they're feeling. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's allowing different metrics to help you see if you're deficient in an area compared to the, the major league average. And for those guys, it's a lot easier because they're all major leaguers. So they get to see like, my extension or my release height is, is too far, it's too short or too high or too low. I need to get it in this range because that's kind of my sweet spot that I get the most movement, that I'm the most consistent. And this, every pitch, it gives you that feedback. And it's, it's pretty incredible 
just the minor adjustments that these guys make, it changes everything. You know, so. Yeah. Have you spoken to maybe, you know, we're, the older player, the older generation, maybe coach, mm -hmm. are you finding they're opening up to this more or some of them still pretty resistant to it? I think everyone's is opening up to it. Um, the, the more information you have just in the, in the palm of your hand, I think the better because it just backs up and verifies all the, the decisions you're making. Right. And this is, this is kind of what I tell guys when, when a coach decides that he wants to offer you a scholarship or wants to offer you a spot on his team, he's putting his, his livelihood in your hands, right? Because his success depends on you being successful and, and having this kind of data in your hand. If, if you see that someone is deficient or in a, like if a guy's spin rate isn't what you want for a certain pitch or, or anything, just a separator, I mean, he can use that to, to, to separate and differentiate and, and make a better decision on, on which guy he might want to offer when you're comparing two guys that might be similar. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of what we were talking about the other day. It's just these, these extremely small details that differentiate one guy from the other, and it just makes you feel that much more confident in your decision to pursue one player. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Now, so we talked about the pitching side here. How does this work for the hitters? For the hitters, the blast device, which is the um, is this little guy that attaches to the knob of your bat, that gives you all of your in-swing data, your rotational acceleration, your bat path, your hand speed. Um, that device is, is pretty incredible, uh, giving you all this information that will help uh, see where you stack up against your peers. And then the TrackMan device gives you the post-contact data, your launch angle, the spin coming off the bat, or the spin rate coming off the bat, um, the exit velocity, all of that. So those two combined uh, give you every bit of data you can imagine from, uh, from a single swing. So much data. It is. It's, it's, <laughs> it is crazy, and it's... It's honestly, it's, it's incredible that this stuff is all available and where you'll get, you'll get it at every prep baseball report event. Um, and it's only going to make this generation that has, has already surpassed and, and continues to get better and better. It's going to make them even better because now they're going to know factual data instead of someone saying, Hey, you're, you're, uh, you're pulling off the ball a little bit. Now you pull up the tablet or your phone, whatever, and you say, here you go. This is you pulling off the ball. You're opening up too much, and this is the data that backs it up. So it's, just, it's verifying and, and giving credibility to a lot more people. Okay. So a, a thought that I had with um, the blast motion, get, you know, it's measuring, you know, track man can measure. You know, everyone's talking about launch angle, right, yeah. and, and that measurement. And a kid, say, let's picture a, a young freshman, maybe a sophomore that's 15, you know, maybe just turned 16. They're still growing. They're still developing. They, let's say the kid is 5'10", and he weighs, a, you know, a smaller kid, like 150 pounds. Yeah. Um, 
puts on this blast motion thing and he knows or he's heard that maybe the the ideal launch angle could be anywhere between let's just say 15 to 25 degrees yeah let's say that yeah. somewhere around there right and that 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 number is indicated like if you want to hit a home run mm -hmm. that it's got to fall somewhere in there okay yeah. so a kid puts the, this device on takes batting practice and is probably more in the 10 degree range or he, he, he sees, so he sees 10 degrees, right? And he's like, wow, you gotta, you gotta launch, you gotta get that angle more, mm -hmm. starts to manipulate, right? And maybe start swinging up. Now it's like 30 degrees. So he's like doubled his, his angle. Yeah. So now that angle from the bat, that, that might be, he's getting closer to that home run angle, right? Mm -hmm. However, when he's hitting the ball, his best bullet is barely even getting to where, say, the left fielder would be playing yeah. a fly ball. So how does that a young player like that, you know what I'm saying, utilize, how do I take this information? It, do I, how do I use it? Well, I think the, the biggest thing for players is understanding what kind of player you are. If you are a guy that you were just explaining, a player of like smaller stature, not going to be a power guy. You know, if you if you work on hitting that line drive, staying in that line drive launch angle range, then you start getting bigger and stronger. The ball's gonna start going farther, right? And then you might be able to to get a little bit more of a of a increased launch angle down the road. But as a as a younger athlete, you need to learn line drives and square balls up before you do anything. You know, that's the hardest thing I feel like to do is to, to square a ball up. And if you practice squaring it up, then a lot of things are going to open up for you as a player, right? And I, an example I use is, is Nicky Garitano. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just seeing him, he's, he was always undersized. Even when he was little, he's just undersized, undersized. And there was a lot of his swing was, was built to try to make up for that power. And kind of when I was talking to him, I'm like, listen, you have to understand, you need to have a swing that will produce as you get bigger and stronger. You're going to develop, you're going to get taller, you're going to get stronger, all that. But you don't want to have to redesign your swing because you're, you're over swinging right now. There's too much movement. There's too much forward movement, too much hand movement. You need to calm everything down so you have the same simple swing that when you get bigger and stronger, that swing is going to come into play and you're going to be able to barrel balls up just because you're, you're more mature. The ball's going to start taking a little bit more flight. And after that, he started seeing those results that, that it's not about launch. Uh, for me, it's not about launch angle and it's not about the, how hard you can swing. It's about the guy who makes it look the easiest and the guy who can barrel it up the most. You know, so if there's a if there's a ton of effort, then it shows that I feel like you're you're not totally um, I don't know like confident or you're not you're not at a point where you you're totally comfortable with with your size and you understand your game, right? Once you understand your game as a as a prospect, I think that's when players start taking off. So yeah, no doubt. a little a little bit off track right there, but. Uh, that's good. I think I just I think 
the launch angle is, is a, is a tool that is, is very helpful, but I also think that it, it, it could be a little misguiding to, to some players who are undersized are not going to be home run guys, but say, I need to hit, get that 30, 30 degree launch angle to get the ball out. Right. That's just, it's not in your arsenal, right? You're a line <laughs> drive guy. Right. You know, so yeah. understanding, understanding your game and building a swing that's not going to only make you successful in high school, but in college and, and, and pro ball to where, I don't know, just a quick story for me, I was, I was a tall hitter in high school, had a leg kick, all that, a lot of extra moving parts, pro ball started swinging and they made me go hit with the, the, the big league hitting guy. And I was spread out to be athletic. I, my hands were slow moving back and everything was, was in this one, two, three slow sequence that I could control. And I knew if one of those pieces was, was off, if it was like a one, two, three, like my hands and my feet are, are moving at the same time or my stride was at the same time, I was off. Okay. You know, it's all about simplifying for me and, and doing something that's going to work, not today, not tomorrow, but in five years and 10 years if you're in pro ball. That's a great point because when you are a young kid, you don't know who you are yet, right? You, Correct. What yeah. you want to be is I want to be a home run hitter. I want to drive the ball out of the yard, yeah. but you, you're not even, you're not close to being there yet. Now, and, and I love the word yet. I, I use that a lot in my trainings that like you, you are not there yet. That, yeah. that doesn't mean you're not going to get there. It might take, another two, three, four years, like junior college, yeah. or college where you're really eventually driving the ball out of the park, but you develop this swing. And it's funny you mentioned Nicky Garitano, and that's, that's who you kind of envision a smaller player, does everything yeah. mechanically well. And, and, you know, dad's a coach, he's around baseball people. And as long as the quicker that that clicks and you okay, that makes perfect sense. Like, Chad's out scouting. He doesn't care if I hit a home run or not. I would rather see him do what he is, and that is line drives gap to gap. You do that, you're golden. Yeah. So, so that's cool. I, I think that's why I wanted to point that out because as a young hitter, you know, you can really get lost in the, the importance of trying to hit home runs because, I mean, you're, you're basically using this device in batting practice. Yeah. Um, off maybe pitches might be still coming downhill a little bit. You're, you're, you're trying to maybe get on plane with the pitch. Um, but, you know, when I, I listened to Barry Bonds a few weeks ago, talk with A-Rod about that path, you know, and, and I talked a lot about bath path and it was something I struggled with um, with different philosophies. But Barry Bonds says to me, Barry Bonds is, could possibly be the best hitter I have ever seen in my life. Um, regardless of all the other, you know, issues he went through as a player and what he, he took, but, yeah. but what he did and his approach, what he said that he, he calls it like the X, like his front shoulders connected to his back leg. And he's essentially saying his dad, who was Bobby Bonds taught mm -hmm. him to swing down through the ball. Anybody can swing up to the ball. Right. You and I could go to the yep. cage right now, swing up through the ball. That's easy to do. So I think what his from a mindset standpoint, he's basically saying, I want you to work down to every single pitch because that's harder to get to. 
right? And then when you get that 95 plus in the game, that it's going to translate and it's going to all even out and work out with the way the pitch is coming at you. So I just find it, I find it interesting. No, I, I totally agree. I think um, having that efficient hand path, right, from, from more of an A to B type swing than, than that big loop and, and having a, a giant hole in your swing right now because watching these guys throw bullpens, just like you were saying, getting to that low pitch is, is so difficult for these guys. I mean, it's the farthest pitch away from your eyes. But now you have these pitchers who the velo is going up. Now you have guys working the top of the zone because guys are trying to lift, right? And then that's the hole in their, in their swing is that top of the strike zone pitch. Yeah. But they're trying to get underneath that, that lower, that, that middle level pitch. And now that high pitch is the one that they can't get to. So it's funny seeing these guys work out and, and, and try to pick those top corners on certain pitches that they're, they're trying to get guys to swing and miss at. So yeah, no, it's, I, yeah. Having, having that extremely efficient hand path, and, and I saw a video of him working with Christian Yelich, um, who's a, a guy that I played with in, in high school. He was on my, my club team in high school, and they're like – trying to hit baseballs down at home plate. Which, right, lo which logically you'd be like, what are you doing? Right. Yeah. But so explain the video and what's the point of that? So from, from what I got from the video, it was, it was more about just being extremely short and compact and, and getting that bat path to go down into the ball rather than that lift exactly kind of how you were explaining. And that is allowing guys to, to stay through these balls longer and not come up and pull off. It's down and through it and, and really getting more of that carry, getting some more backspin on these balls that's, that's allowing it to, to go farther, right? Because a guy of maybe Christian Yelich's stature, he's what, he's 6'3", but he's not a big, strong guy by any means from like, just what, from, Like 190, 195? Yeah. Yeah. And he's hitting balls 400 plus. You know, so, I mean, it is, it is definitely a comfort thing. I'm a big believer. And if you're comfortable as a hitter, you're always going to be in a better position than, than having a, a manufactured swing or I guess an Instagram type swing, but <laughs> uh, one that just, one that looks good, but it's just not, it's not natural for you. But if you, if you really work on, on being efficient and being as short to that ball as possible, that gives you that much more time to recognize the pitches and to lay off and, and to really find that barrel a little bit more consistently as well. Did you have any type of, you know, I guess mental mindset cues, you know, you mentioned like your one, two, three that you learned from the, the yeah. big hitting coach. What did you think about your, with your hands? Any thoughts on that? Um, my hands were a lot of my rhythm. Mm -hmm. I tried to have some sort of, of rhythmic movement in my hands. Um, as a hitter and that was that was kind of my my key and and I took a lot of pride in getting my timing in the on deck circle getting my timing off the pitcher's fastball in the on deck circle so rarely I would miss that first pitch fastball right because if a guy tries to get ahead tries to blow one by you especially in high school and and uh some college if if you're a power arm your fastball is your best pitch mm -hmm. at that point. 
So if he's trying to get ahead, he's going to try to blow something by you. If you're doing your job in the on-deck circle and you're getting that timing ready to go, you should be able to piece that ball up no problem. I mean, obviously, it's a game of failure, but you did everything you could to, to be ready for that guy. And so being prepared in the on-deck circle allows you to have that confidence in the box and everything is timing. So if your hands are your timing or if your weight shifting or you're sinking into your back leg is a little bit more your timing, there's something that needs to be going so you can you, you sync up your timing with the pitcher's motion is what I'm trying to say. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. And you, you had a beautiful swing. You know, when I saw you as a, we're, we're, we're probably more than a decade apart in age, I think um, somewhere around there, but uh, mm -hmm. I remember watching you as a youngster and, and you did, you did things right, you know, and, and, uh, but yeah, it was, it's interesting talking with different hitters, how there, there's maybe a trigger that works for them. Um, yeah. that they got them. Some people, all I thought about was hands, you know, some people yeah. thought about uh, the rhythm of their body. Um, but I think what it comes down to, too, is everybody just tried to keep it as simple as they possibly could. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that's where the the one, two, three kind of mentality came in. And it, it really helped me um, kind of learn the professional game, especially coming from high school. When you're 18 years old and you're playing with 22, 23, 24 year olds, you got some catching up to do. <laughs> and a guy that's throwing 94, 95. I mean, you're seeing. As a, as a high school kid, you're seeing every SEC guy's Friday night guy for the most part every game or a Pac-12 guy or guys you see in the College World Series. The next week you're facing them and you have to be ready to go. And that's not to mention the, the Latin guys who usually throw extremely hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know, it, it's, you, you have to be ready to go. And the more efficient you are as a hitter, it, it's just going to allow you to be that much more successful and repetitive because – you got to understand you, you want to have the same swing in spring training as you do game 140 or 162 or into the playoffs. So you need to, to simplify and, and minimize your swing and find something that, that absolutely works for you. That's going to allow you to have that success and that rhythm and, and that consistency throughout the whole year. Because can you imagine starting with a swing in spring training and then, four months down the road, your back is toast, your legs are toast, your arm, your shoulder, everything is gone. And you have to relearn a different swing. Right. Right. It's, yep. it's, it's, it would be impossible. So having that consistent low effort swing is really what stands out to me for, for a lot of players. No doubt. Yeah. It's, I, I'm a big believer in, I, I mean, it's maybe cliche, but the more athletic you are, typically yeah. when you're when you're watching that player it th things just look a lot easier you know like yeah. ah, he, he does that so easy like it looks like he's not even trying it's like he's probably trying but he just his movements are very simple he's not yeah. trying to overdo it and yeah. it's just it, it works and, so. and one of the guys that that I've done some track man stuff with that uh so I saw here in, in just the kind of the recent years is Bryson Stott. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's about as low effort of a, of a swing as possible, but it's so consistent and fluid that he's just able to kind of throw his hands. It almost seems like at, at any pitch. And we had him on the track man hitting like 105 exit below with wood with cage balls. Yeah. And so it's like, 
man, like that's, that's extremely impressive that he's able to do that over and over and over again. But his swing is just, it's so smooth and simplified that he's, he's mastered his own swing. Right. You know, from, from high school to, to where he's at now, there's, there's such a small difference in, in what a swing looks like. It just has such effortless flow. And, and I mean, it's, yeah. it's, definitely, it's definitely an art. And well, and Bryson's a great example of, you know, for the high school players that are listening here to let, let me take you back a few years because I, I, had, I scouted Bryson in high school. Um, he was a young shortstop when we had like uh, Nick Kingman or Nolan Kingham yeah. uh, was yeah. a prospect here out at Desert Oasis High School. And, and Bryson was a, he was a good player there. He was, he was really just undersized. Yeah. You know, he, he just didn't have his strength yet. So I want you get you players that are in high school now to know that, Bryson went from, you know, probably a couple scouts knowing about him. You know, we, we call these guys pocket follows, right? We're like, this, guy, this guy's got some actions. He does some things really well that I, I like what I'm seeing, but he's, it's just not ready yet, right? So yet. Um, but he's that pocket follower. You're like, I'm going to keep a close eye on this kid. And what do you know, three years later, he's a first-round pick. Right. Yeah. But he, he learned, had, had some pretty de- decent coaches out there and, and learned and had some type of simple and easy approach and was around baseball people that I think taught him well that, hey, you just keep working on this. Three years later, you're going to get your strength. He, he turned into 6'3", probably 200 pounds yeah. and became a first round pick. So uh, I, bet, I bet when he graduated high school, probably was around maybe 6162 maybe 170 you know so he put on a good 25 pounds um and looks like a big leader coming out of the junior year in, in college and yeah. was a USA you know short all all american shortstop um so my point in that story is for the high school kids like just because i as, as a scout other scouts aren't talking to you doesn't mean we're not watching you know yeah. if, if we're not paying a lot of attention to you now in high school doesn't mean we don't like you. It just means we're watching. Right? You, most kids are, as you would attest to this, most kids are not ready for pro ball out of high school. Correct. Right? It's a whole different ball game. It's a whole different level. Yes. Um, it, it's a grind, and it's tough, and it's really hard. So, and I bet even kids that are going into college, right, would say going into college at the D1 level from high school is very hard. Right. Yeah. So, so it's kind of like the first stepping stone, right. To get there. Um, but that's, how did you feel when you came out of high school? Did you, cause you, I, for me, I think you've always been a mature kid um, coming out of, did you feel like you were any regrets that you probably would have went to college or what, what do you feel about now on that? Uh, no regrets because I ended up going back to school and I got my degree after I finished playing. I was super happy. I mean, I had a great talk with my brother the, the night before I signed, kind of just talking about the, the different things that he experienced in college and how our dreams growing up was to play professional baseball. Like it, was, it was everything to us. So I had the opportunity in front of me, and I took it. I met friends that I'm still friends with today. It's just, it's, it was such a great experience. And it's definitely a learning curve for, for the high school player. You have to learn on the move because 
they're not slowing down for you whatsoever. Right. So you have to figure out the professional game. You got to know what works for you. And that was the hardest part for me is, is going from high school where it's, it is very structured to come back to spring training. You better be ready, like game ready today, <laughs> you know? So you have to figure out what works for you. And, and during this downtime with, with everything going on, this is very close to a, a professional off season for a lot of these players. Players have all the time in the day now to get their swings off of a tee, find somewhere to, to hit on a field, possibly play catch, be ready to go once everything opens up, because especially for that 21 class, their prime year in high school has, has gotten taken away. And this summer is, is hopefully going to do a, a small part in making up for it if we're able to get back on the field. But you have to be ready to go. Mm-hmm. There, there's no other option for you as a player but to be ready to go because it is, it is extremely important that you are working hard at this point because now this, this, this is a good time for, for colleges or pro scouts to see, okay, what does this guy do when he's not being told what to do? Yeah. Right. If he's good, if he's a guy that comes out of the gate and he's, he's swinging it and his arm looks good, he looks fresh, he's ready to go. Or if he's a guy, it's like, man, that kid has been sitting on the couch this whole time, yeah. you know, and he's 30 pounds that, heavier. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, exactly. It's, it's going to separate a ton of players this downtime. Cause they're, I mean, I get videos sent to me. There's definitely kids working out and improving, but I can guarantee you there's, there's a handful of kids that are taking this extremely lightly and saying, kind of taking it as a vacation when this isn't the time to do that. Mm-hmm. This is the time you, you have to be working to get better. So, um, I don't know, we, we have our couple of events coming this summer and they might be fresh off of when things open up, you know, yeah, and tell, tell us about your events, like the dates, what, what you have planned for the summer. So we do have a rising stars event, which is mainly an educational event. And it's going to be for the, Incoming freshmen, as well as the, the incoming eighth graders, the 24 and 25 class, um, the top players from that event will be selected to represent Team Nevada at the Junior Future Games, which will be the same time as uh, the actual Future Games in uh, Cartersville, Georgia, at the Lake Point facility. That is an event that it's, it's, it's crazy, but the recruiting age is getting so much younger and it's, it's one of those events that has to happen because there's schools that are already tracking guys that are, that are incoming freshmen or, or, in it, or going into eighth grade. You know, it's, it's, it's all part of the job. So if, like, we're, we're really going to work on helping these players understand the recruiting process, understand the showcase environment, what we're looking for, how to, how to look good as a baseball player, not only at an event, but – at a tournament you go to, how to be a professional and be someone that, that people will gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. Um, so mostly an educational event. Obviously we're going to get all the data. We're going to have everything on those guys. It's going to be extremely professionally ran with all the safety protocols that, that the state's going to come out with as well as additional safety protocols that prep baseball report will take to make sure everyone's 
confident in the in the process and and feels okay with with coming out and being around people um, our next event is the underclass top prospect games which is june 30th and july 1st at unlv it's the top prospects in the state uh the first night is going to be all testing it's going to be getting your exit velocity getting all your your data with the track man the blast your infield velocity outfield velocities um everything that will go on your profile the next day will be the simulated game pitchers versus hitters the best in the state stacking up against each other and and seeing how each each player does um, all of it will be live tweeted um, it'll be under the lights of UNLV so we'll be out of the heat thankfully uh, and it, it, the, the upper class top prospect games will be similar except it's just for that 2021 class to really help sort out the the top top players in the state um, it's it's an event that some guys might start getting some some draft looks because we do have there's some talent in that 21 class that has has attracted some some national attention and us getting the track man data the blast data will all help solidify their spot in the in the national rankings and and kind of that overall picture um when it comes that time in 2021 june yeah so um, that'll be here before we know it <laughs> i know it's crazy how fast it's all going but uh those are a couple of events that that are really going to help us not only update players information but help us identify and get a better feel for the players because mm -hmm. players are are always improving some are plateauing and it's all it's all part of the kind of the process and, and we have to be out there to identify and there's no better spot than to have them all together in a controlled environment, a safe environment with everything going on and getting them that proper exposure for the guys who are uncommitted. And, and well, one thing I forgot to mention was for that underclass games, we still have spots that are open for the future games. The future games is the event that Callum went to last year. It has 300 plus college coaches at the event. It is like mayhem for these players. I mean, every, Every one of these schools, I mean, last year we had Santino Panaro was there, um, committed to UNLV. Tanner McDougall was there, committed to Oregon. I mean, these, these players, there's no better event in the country for an uncommitted player than the future games. And so we're, we're looking to take our top of the top players to go represent Team Nevada and hopefully come out winning every game because this is selfishly the only time I really get to be competitive. So I'm trying to put together the, the absolute best team I can. And so far we have a pretty well, uh, well-rounded group of, of players that I'm excited to, to show off once we get there. These events are going to be a great opportunity for these, these players to get in front of the, the in-state staff, as well as some surrounding schools that are planning on coming to the event. And even the ones who can't, there's going to be so much digital footage and data that is available for these players or available to the coaches following these, these events that it's not, it's not a huge detriment that they can't come to the event. We've in the, as a company have invested a ton of resources in creating events and, and opportunities that don't need 
colleges to be there. Obviously, people want to see players and see how they walk up to the field, how they go about being with their peers and kind of handle the day. But there's going to be a ton of footage that allows schools to really be able to get a feel for each of the players without having to actually attend the event. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And, and these type of events, for the listeners, these are, these are invitation events, correct? Correct. Correct. Except for the Rising Stars. The Rising Stars event is, is for everyone. It's an event that we really want to use to help identify the incoming preps, prep athletes. Right. So when we do come out the rankings, we we have an idea of who is coming, who's going to be the the top guys. And and the only way we can really see players or, or rank players or, or do anything is, is sometimes at these events. And we try to get out as much as possible. But having players at these events is our best way to to identify and, and assess players. Yeah, that's great, man. What do you see yourself is there's really kind of only a certain amount of events you can do yep. as a, as a, the PBR Nevada director, how many events is that total for you a year? Typically. We were, were fairly proactive at the beginning of the year and we're hosting scout days, which yeah. allowed us to, to go to the certain high schools and put on a unique event for each of the high schools, right? We had, I think we ended up having 13 different scout days as well as a Northern Nevada scout day which there's multiple schools up there that have already reached out about planning events for next year at their local high schools. And we ended up getting almost 300 athletes into our system with, with data and video and, and all that just from these scout days. So it was, it was a, it was very successful kind of preseason type thing. And, and it's a time when players are, are in very good shape, usually healthy from, from intramurals or practice and, it ended up being a, a great opportunity for me to really be able to get out and, and see as many players as I could. And so those kind of micro events are, I mean, we could, we could run 50 of them if, if the schools would want to do it. But as far as the, our bigger premier events, we have the top prospect games for the upper class and underclass. We're always going to have a rising stars event, which usually will take place during the spring, during the high school season, okay. since that is, a little bit of a downtime for us just event wise and we're going to be able to to do that but some uncommitted events uh later in the year to help the especially the 21 group who was unfortunately uh having or had their season prime season cut short that's usually some of the stuff we're going to allow but we can we have the freedom to really be creative and and come up with some events or or different update type showcases that will allow players to, to continuously show off their progression. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think for, for you as well as myself, seeing players progress is, is an extremely positive sign of them as a prospect. Absolutely. Like we've had, had quite a few guys who have come to events as, as sophomores and now they're going into their senior year and the exit velocity is jumping up. They're maturing. The 60 is down, their outfield velocity is up. On the mound, they're getting stronger. Fastball velocity is up. So it's seeing that progression, it, it, it really helps start being able to paint the picture of what this guy might end up being. Absolutely, because I, I tell my kid, I tell kids I work with all the time, like when you come into high school, you're a freshman year, right? You're, yeah. you're about 
uh, you're 14, around 15 years old. You you were the you were the crap in middle school, right? Yeah. Now, now you're the low man on the totem pole again as a freshman, but you're coming in and you're still a baby, right? Yeah. You, you don't realize it yet, but you're still a baby. Uh, you're you're likely you're not even close to shaving yet. Um, the maturity level's not there. And I remember telling my son, driving him to to school as a freshman, I go, dude, you're going to be shocked with your progression, your maturity. Just just look at it year to year. Like after each school year is over, look at like, man, I I remember when I was a freshman, I was scared to death, Mm -hmm. right? Playing it because he he played varsity as a freshman, and like that's that's real, right? And and then you get confident, right? And then you go into that sophomore year, you're like, all right, I, I can play here, I can do this. Yeah. But it, then you jump into your, your senior year as, say, a 17-, 18-year-old, and, and now you're kind of becoming a man, right? You're, you're a totally different person. My point of that, of that is, like, when you're young and you, say, go to an, a PBR event and you get a, a certain number, like, say, on your exit velocity or your velocity with your fastball, and, and you don't like that number. Yeah. That's, use that number as a measurement to say, okay, this is where I am. Okay, and, and start setting some goals on where, where do you want to be or your this is three years from now as a senior and start doing the little things daily to get you to those numbers on where you want to be. Absolutely. And and that's that's where kind of our micro events. Right. If we do have a, a like a, for example, like a PBR pitcher update. Right. If, if you didn't like your velocity at the scout day, if you didn't like your velocity at the top prospect games later in the year, we're, we're going to have events that are, that could be position specific or just a hitting event, really just to update one of your numbers that, that you might've thought, man, I really thought I could have done better there. Now I have an opportunity to, to update that number. I'm happy with my other numbers. I think they can always get better, but this is a number that I was, I was a little bit behind in. And I think, I'll be able to really pump that number up at this other event. So, yeah. So on that note, on all these measurements, as we kind of wrap this up here, you've spent a lot of time. I really appreciate you doing that. But college coaches are looking at these numbers too. Do they, do they participate? Do they buy memberships to PBR to get the access to this info? Yep. So we actually have, over 800 college coaches and professional scouts who subscribe to our website. So regardless if they are at an event, there's coaches who can go into your profile, click follow this player, they'll get an update or they can, they can see all the updates for when a player comes to an event, they can click on this contact information. It'll have everything. It'll have your information, everything you fill out on your, your profile page. They'll have access to all that and can, can use that to contact you. So we do have a, a fairly massive following um, in the baseball community. And I mean, it continues to grow, especially as we add on the, the technical side of everything. It's, it's just, it's, it's just going to help people verify and, and separate players and decide, I really like this guy. This guy is, is a player who has kind of like a Bryson Stott. He's, He's got actions. He's got the he's got the right actions. I'm going to follow him through his high school career and see how much he's progressing physically, right? And seeing how that is is going to possibly traject into into being a, a very good player for our program, right? So 
That's awesome. So I know most of the, probably you could say most of the high school players in in Nevada know where to follow you, but where can, where can players follow you and people around the country follow you at? You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Our tag is PBR underscore Nevada. That'll get you to both our Instagram and Twitter. We're not really on, on Facebook, I guess, mm-hmm. but that will allow players to see. I mean, we're doing spotlights on players. We're, we're, we're trying to get as much exposure to our guys as possible. And um, yeah, either one of those social media platforms, I mean, we're, we're on there daily trying to either give you an opportunity to, to use mental edge, like, like your stuff and kind of master that side of the game or like the Tim Soder trying to get physically stronger or, or working on arm exercises and, and really trying to give every bit of information we can and keep players up to date on what's happening in the state because we do have some new rules and like an entire new 5A class on the horizon that is, is projecting to happen this next year. So, yeah, if you give us a follow, you'll, you'll be definitely in tune with, with all the happenings of Nevada baseball. That's awesome, man. Well, Brett, you've been doing an, an awesome job. Uh, I see you everywhere. That I, When I'm scouting the games, I, I seem to always see you there. So you, you're kicking butt on the trail, and, and you're helping out a ton of kids, getting them exposure, because um, they're all working hard. You're a big part of that here in Vegas, so I appreciate. And I know all the kids, the parents, the families, everybody appreciates that. So keep up the hard work, dude. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. All right, man. Thanks for the call. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Hey, what's up, guys? I want to thank you for listening to today's episode. You know, if you had any experience playing a sport while growing up, or even now, you know, have a kid playing a sport, you know how important the mental game is. You know, there are many that say it's at least 60% of their sport, and some will even say it's as high as about 90%. So if the consensus is it's at least 60% of your game, no matter what sport, what are you or what are your son, you know, your daughter doing to work on the mental game? I want to help you out or your athlete out. As I work with athletes at all different ages, they are all different as far as their engagement in a group setting or in one-on-ones. To help give athletes some options, I wanted to hit on doing mental training on their own time, one-on-ones, or even in a group setting. So I wanted to give you some options. My first option is my online course where I created over 40 videos where your athlete can watch, learn, and go through these videos at their own pace. I would think and say that this is great for those athletes that don't want to be a part of a group setting or they have thoughts, you know, they don't want anyone to know that I'm actually working on my mental game. Now, these videos come in a yearly membership where they watch the videos, they have access to me through email during the duration of their membership, and they get a one one-on-one call per year. And this is a membership, it's $199 per year. So more, for more information on that, go to mentaledge.training. The second option is for those that really liked engagement. I've been doing live weekly online calls where I pick a topic to coach on, I engage and ask questions with the athletes on how this applies to them. They take notes in their mental game journal and they work on that particular skill or the topic I give them for that week. 
Now this option is a membership as well and it's $13.99 a month. I also do get a lot of inquiries about one-on-one coaching as well as team coaching. I do do those as well. So you can email me at chad at mentaledge.coach for more details on that. But if you want more information on the links on these memberships that I have, click on the show notes and I can give you all that information there on those websites. But I want to thank you again for listening to this podcast. I do want to make this better. I would love to hear any comments, any suggestions you have where I can make this podcast even better for you and to help you out. I also want to let you know that all these interviews in, on this podcast are also in video form on YouTube. And if you go search Mental Edge Training Coach, all these interviews will be there as well. So again, thank you for listening and I will see you in the next episode. Take care.